What's up, everybody? It's Jules. We're back. Brew Crew Podcast, Episode 8, joined by Chev. Chev, what's good? Hey, Julian. And Oak. What's up? Yo! <laughs> We're back for another exciting episode of the Brew Crew Pod. And we got some cool things to talk about. Uh, Chev, what's on the docket for today? I think we're going to be discussing, um, well, we, we tried to get everyone together last week for a, a game night that went relatively well. Uh, we're going to talk about Julian's favorite card, Blood Moon. Uh, and then, you know, as we're getting closer to Zendikar, which I think comes out September 26th-ish, around there, I think is when the fall set lands. in like exactly a month. Yeah, exactly. So we should be seeing uh, spoilers in a couple of weeks, but we'll talk about, you know, what we, what we kind of want from that set, what we're all looking forward to, and why it's the Eldrazi. Uh, I think we might disagree later on, but first let's talk about uh, let's talk about game nights with the boys, which is something that we are hoping to make an institution here at the Brew Crew, uh, especially to get everyone together now that we've all settled in various regions of the country and also are just trapped inside because of you know pandemic things. So, Chad, why don't you tell everybody how we how we set this thing up and uh, what we did? Yeah, so I mean. Um we haven't been able to play Commander, which, uh, as some of you guys may know, is one of the formats that, as a group, we tend to play the most. So it's definitely led to a, a lull in our ability to kind of uh, bling out our decks, our excuses to buy new cards. And so we really need to be able to get together and uh, play again. And, you know, because it's fun to hear from these guys every once in a while, not on a podcast. So we, we started looking at the, the tools we could use. And um, decided that we would try out Spell Table. Uh, for those of you that aren't aware, Spell Table kind of came onto the scene with Command Fest Online this year. Uh, it's basically a service they use to connect um, using webcams kind of streamed over your cards, and then think of it like Zoom for playing Paper Magic. Uh, it does make some strategies a little bit more annoying, say like playing your opponent's cards or like token clones or things like that, but you know, you, you make do in the best possible way. Uh, otherwise, it's a you know fantastic thing that we're hoping to use a little bit, even if um, Julian's webcam was a little bit spotty this time. But you know, hopefully, one day he'll get a good enough one. Took him a while to get a headset too, if I don't recall, right, Julian? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I was I was late to the party. Uh, speaking of making things difficult though, and playing other people's cards, Chev, you played a lot of Eric's cards when you cast Oblivion Sower, Oblivion uh, which Sower. is oh the a staple yeah, in one yeah. of your favorite decks. No, of course. I mean, like of all the things, you can always find extra lands around. I thought you were going to say the the difficult thing that we found was um, from the Kozilek deck playing Emrakul, the Promised End, and taking control of Eric's turn. Uh, in a way that, you know, everyone else couldn't see sort of thing. Um, but yeah, again, it's like, I think I think it was Hipsters posted an article a little while ago about, like, strategies you should maybe not use as much while playing in this sort of, like, pseudo-online virtual uh, play space just because they do get more annoying. Um, I might have forgotten that with Embercool and Oblivion, so... <laughs> I mean that's that's a that's a thing that you've had together for a while. That's kind of your your pet deck, if I if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, you can't be blamed. <laughs> I can blame you though for countering many of my spells over the course of many turns. I think that uh, is the Kozilek's most work game. that Kozilek has ever done for me in a given game. Or maybe it's just you know as I've been forced to come up with new ideas for decks on the regular as being part of the brew crew, and I'm more aware of the abilities on my cards, but. I don't think Kozilek has ever countered as much as he did in that one game. And especially with Sensei's out to just kind of like tutor, you know, it's not real, but getting the top three cards and at least trying to find something with the right converted mana cost um, definitely helped me stop you from pulling shenanigans like trying to kill my Titans, which is just not, not allowed. So what you're saying is this game you actually decided to read your cards and come in with a strategy as opposed to sowing chaos, as is the norm. That is true, yes. I came in, I read my cards as they entered the battlefield, and it's surprising how much more fun and effective you can be if you know what your cards do, Julian. I only know what one card does, Chev, and that card is Blood Moon. That's the only card that I know what it does. <laughs> Why don't you uh, enlighten I thought you were going to say Void Win or... What'd, what'd you say? Oh, you know what? All right, two. Two cards. Void Win or Blood Moon. <laughs> my two favorite cards. Yeah. Yeah, I, I learned the unfortunate lesson that you really should not be 
as greedy and play a five-color deck uh, when one of your playgroup members, Oak, is a renowned mono-red player. <laughs> Pretty much only plays red. Um, <laughs> and somehow always seems to have Blood Moon on turn three for me. So this only, happened... Only when you're playing niv uh, I mean, my only, my, only five, my greediest There's and only five-color deck. There's a what uh, Oak yeah. always has access to. And it will always be Sensei's by turn three in most decks. And then Blood Moon apparently right. has extra hurdles jumping. But the consistency yep. does lead to some um, confusion as to what god uh, Oakley made a sacrifice to prior to his magic career. <laughs> well, I, I promise you it was uh, a red one. <laughs> Perforos. <laughs> Perforos. He's just yep. over there banging his hammer around. Maybe Perf. <laughs> Maybe yeah. Karanos. You never know. Oh, Karanos is pretty cool, too. Oak, what, yeah. uh, what, what decks... Why don't you tell the, the viewers what decks you were playing and what you were finding successful and not so successful? Yeah, so we had two games. Our, my uh, first game was uh, with my uh, Omnath, uh, newest Omnath. Um, something I had sort of, uh, I think I spoke about this last time, but uh, uh, attempted to adapt into a Brawl deck uh, that I've been also running on MTGA. But uh, yeah, uh, Omnath deck, uh, ton of fun. Uh, probably my favorite three color combo uh teamer <laughs> and i think i won in a way that very few people were expecting i did the old uh rude awakening trick where we uh turn all our lands into elementals but then rather than attacking i just uh copied my omnath uh about approximately five times and did <laughs> a lot of damage um yeah, around 15 damage five times. Um, probably more than that, actually. I'm pretty sure I had, like, upwards of 18 lands out at the time. Yes. Um, yeah, so that was uh, the first game, which uh, I thought went pretty well. I don't know about you guys. Um, <laughs> it was definitely concerning. I've never seen Oakley draw and play more lands. And I know that's the strategy of the deck, but generally I would say Oakley is land-averse. So seeing a complete shift in Doctrine was um, a little unsettling, to say the least. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, when the lands make my, my guys bigger, and, you know, I can play a land, and I can sack it. Julian, I'm sure you know all about this in your, in your Tatiova deck, but, you know, you play a land, you sack it, you draw a card, you draw another card. It's pretty nice. <laughs> um, the reoccurring value. Yeah, so, like, yeah. In our first game, um, Eric was playing his mono-red, um, not the competitive version, but the Sir Kara deck, and I just couldn't let that go, or I couldn't let that stand as Eric being the mono-red player. <laughs> so the second game, I had to bring in... That's right, uh, there was two mono-red decks in that second game. Yup, yup, and one of them was playing Blood Moon, and I did play it turn three. I personally had no and, problems um, with that. I thought, I thought that was perfect when I was playing Kozilek. Yeah, Oh, see, I did too, but then Eric just had to go and remove it, didn't he? <laughs> I think at one point, wasn't Void Winnower out at the same time as uh, Blood Moon? Or at least for a turn, then I think someone uh, got upset with Void Winnower. I don't know why. That's possible. But, uh, that's possible. I can't remember. I remember I didn't do a whole lot of... I was hitting my land drops, which was good. I was just So I was like sitting around six or seven mana, but I just was not doing anything. Luckily, I was also not really getting attacked that much. I think I had maybe taken five mm. or six damage. Um, and, uh, actually, no, I did, I assembled, uh, one of my favorite combos, potentially, which was, I managed to get a Baleful Strix out under Blood Moon, <laughs> and then on turn four or five, I was able to put out Conjurer's Closet, because it's a colorless card, so I was just hitting Oak for one, and then <laughs> blinking right. my, blinking my Baleful Strix, and drawing cards, it was a great time, really, and then, uh, yeah. Eric eventually realized that he needed my help because he is the the lowly Voltron player and I was the control player and he was like I need you to do something about this so he chaos warped the Blood Moon and I started playing Magic. I, I came in and started blasting. I I'd like to give a special shout out to um, uh, Enchanter's Bane too, which I think with Eric Sunbird Sunbird's invocation now I think it. did a total of like <laughs> yeah like probably. 30 plus damage to him over the course of the game which was uh pretty awesome easily he would not uh, let that thing go i, I could not nope. believe how long he held on to it absolutely especially with the amount of times that stuff got blowed up or i'm pretty sure i cast probably three rats that game and i was like mm. dude you just you gotta let this thing go like you you need to rebuild and like just set up and you're you're killing yourself <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. But I think that sums up. Were there any other um, plays we kind of wanted to mention? Um, anything that was particularly cool? Or I think we covered most of the bases. Julian's favorite memory, of course, being the, the Blood Moon and then the um, the reoccurring uh, Baleful Strix. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah the Baleful Strix. Um, I think there was a few things that we learned. One, uh, Chev having a lot of mana and then just being able to cast Kozilek over and over and over again, even every time that it got killed, mostly by me, uh, was actually really good you just always had cards in your hand which is good for Kozlek like to counter things and also just yeah. to be able to play things yeah i mean i was so i was that was cool. at the point where hard casting was not an impossibility which is a pretty like the, the big thing about the mono colorless decks uh being that you are always hard casting the eldrazi <laughs> and it's just how fast you get well, there. except you except you weren't chev because there was one point when you had uh, an Urza's Incubator and also a Sculpting Steel, which was an Urza's Incubator, and I believe you also had an Iowugan. So that's like a. a oh, I a mean, six. that's that's still hard casting. You know, I'm I'm there. I'm I'm working oh, no, no, just no, no, as no, no, hard no. as that's everyone not, else to play my Ulamog. That's that's not that's not fair magic. That's not you're not playing by the rules. <laughs> I think I think there's, it was Eric who one, summed it up best. Oh. I, one of the original times I played the Colorless deck, and he said. I don't like how, you know, colors have restrictions, and then you're there with your spaghetti monsters outside of the the law of magic doing shenanigans that should not exist. And um, I think, yeah, that that's how I feel generally when I'm playing uh, Kozilek. <laughs> I mean... There was one oh, more cool. cool play. Oh, sorry. I just to interject really quick, there's one more cool play I wanted to highlight, and this one I'm pretty sure was by Chev, where um, Eric, like... Eric cast some, like, really game-warping spell, probably. I'm pretty sure Chev was ahead most of that game. I know he ended up winning. <laughs> um, it's something that would have hurt Chev a lot, and Chev went to Sensei's oh, for yeah, a yeah. card to counter it with Kozilek, and then he tapped Sensei's to draw the card, which I, which I knew meant, like, oh, yeah, he's definitely got one of, like, the right converted mana cost to counter it. And I was like, kill Kozilek, and you're just like... I'm going to sack this other land I have to draw the card and counter oh, it yeah. instead. <laughs> so I, th- I thought that was yeah. awesome, even though it was just like a... Now, Cryptic Caves, that was, I was on I, the as bad soon as I saw it. that as being like the canopy land for colorless, that went in the deck like the mm. next day. I think that was from Core 20. Yeah, that's that's put in all mm. kinds of work. And I, I run it in a lot of Brawl decks, too, I found out. Just having access to that like quick card draw is a, a super, super useful tactic, especially in col- colors that don't normally have it. Right. So it looks like we have a late um, guest. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I am now recording my voice, I believe. Cool. Hello. I'm happy to join the podcast. (laughs) How late am I? Half an hour late. That's exactly how late. So we Uh, we just got... didn't miss our main topic. Yeah, no, we just got finished ruining your good name um, talking about game night and the different games. Were there any particular plays that uh, you enjoyed or remember um, from our inaugural game night last week, Eric? Our inaugural game night, I feel like we should switch the order of events so that our inaugural game night wasn't a week ago. Um, <laughs> but well, we, record, talking we recorded a week ago. So <laughs> to be, to, Well, yeah. let's, let's uh, jog your memory if we can. Um, you turned I played into a Sarkara. Complete, yep. You turned into a complete masochist and lost all of your life to your Sunbird's invocation. Um, I remember it's that true. one. Bane. <laughs> and it was 100% worth it. <laughs> I don't think it was because you didn't win. Okay, but I had a lot of fun. And that's, that's what we're about. Okay. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. That's, that's, that's what Sunbird's invocation is for. It's a little bit for winning, but it's mostly for having a lot of fun. Ah, I see. All right, so after recapping game night and gaining a member, uh, we now want to talk about what's happening with the next upcoming set, which is like, oh my god, Amonkhet just came out, we had Double Masters, we had the core set. There's just sets on sets on sets, but uh, we want to keep pushing forward and talk about especially what uh, we want to see in this new Zendikar set, which is coming out in uh, exactly a month, I think. Um, from when we're recording, which is August 18th. So we're going to go around the horn, and everyone's going to talk a little bit about what they want to see um, and what they expect 
in this set coming through. So I'm going to start out because I'm conceited like that. And the first thing that I want to see is Nahiri. So Nahiri has already been confirmed, I believe, uh, as one of the face planeswalkers of the yeah, set. Yeah, I think she has. Last uh, yes. time we saw her was briefly on uh, Ravnica for War of the Spark, but mainly back in Shadows over Innistrad block, yep. where she was fighting Soren yep. and like summoning Emrakul and like being on. But Zendikar is Nahiri's home plane. She's uh, all about it. That's where we first got references of her. Um, so I want to see her come back, and I want to see her come back in a big way. She is a white-based planeswalker with also some red. Um, I'm hoping that we get a very powerful, but not super pushed, but a very powerful uh, competitive sort of planeswalker um, in that just because green and blue have been so, uh, mm-hmm. you know, broco, broco over the past uh, – <laughs> year and a half or so. Yeah. It'd be nice I want, to see I the want other white, colors do well. I want powerful white cards, and I think Nahiri is kind of going to be able to lead that charge. Another thing regarding that is Nahiri has traditionally been tied with equipment, um, so I want to see... I, it would be interesting if she still did sort of something like that, and if we got some actually good relevant equipment here. Um, equipment hasn't been good really since... Batter skull, living weapon. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, since like batter skull, like, it's, it's hard. Well, it gets back into that whole thing, right? Where it's hard to print equipment um, that's too good because then every deck will include it. And so, like, I mean, we haven't seen good equipment since Mirrodin, but I feel like, I mean, Embercleave is probably not <laughs> the, the best <laughs> example. Um, but I was gonna say, yeah, like with the 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 cycle from Eldrain of having colored equipment. Um, I think colored equipment could be really cool, and especially having like some white-aligned equipment to go with Nahiri. Because you're right, Julian, she was first introduced as a lithomancer, I think, with heavy ties to um, swords and stuff. Right. So a couple things I want to say about that. One, um, there was only the one colored equipment in Eldraine Chev, which was Embercleave, yeah, and yeah. I heard you oak. And I, Embercleave is incredibly relevant, but I don't consider that an equipment. That is a combo card. You play that when you're about to win. You don't play that so because it, was it gives more, you a lot of value. It was more talking about Eldorain is when they officially decided they were going to start playing with colored artifacts and seeing how it affects gameplay. That would solve the problems artifacts generally have, which is if they're too good, they'll be in every deck. So based on that and then seeing those cards and how well they performed, that led the way for colored equipment going forward. I personally okay. really like the idea of colored equipment. I think mm-hmm. it it solves one of my biggest problems with uh, artifacts, which is that they push into areas of the color pie that it's almost like disrupt why it's certain so colors are good. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so the more like colored artifacts and colored equipment we see, the, the happier I'll be, personally. Mm. Agreed. So I, I hope they do some stuff with equipment. Honestly, I wouldn't really even mind if they like wanted to bring back a sword or two, or maybe finish some of those uh, mm. that sword cycle. Mm. Um, especially since those are kind of inherently mid rangey cards, and mid range doesn't really exist right now. So if we need to, you know, get a sword of fire and ice or something, um, or finish that like Modern Horizons cycle, which had the red black sword and the white blue sword, to you know, have some cool stuff and also make mid-range viable again, I, that's fine with me. And plus, you know, if we need to, we can always ban things um, <laughs> as long as Wizards is a little more trigger-happy on that yeah. um, as opposed to letting things sit. Which they have so that's been my first lately. one. They have been lately, um, and I hope that they fix design uh, a little bit but also are more willing to shake things up as opposed to letting things sit, like I said. Um, the next thing, which is kind of just a fun thing... Uh, trap mm-hmm. slash expedition yeah. cards. So there were cards that were certain traps, and then uh, basically you, if given a certain condition, you could cast them for free. So there's one that like exiled the graveyard, and there was one that like milled a bunch, and there was one that I think created like a, a bunch of little tokens for you to block with and stuff. Um, there was these a were red, on, like the original spell. Yeah, exactly. So yep. um, it was just a cool sort of thing um, that tied into the original theme of the original Zendikar block, so like Zendikar and World Wake before they added the Eldrazi, um, of it being like this adventure Indiana Jones type yeah, plane. Yep. Um, there was also the Expeditions, which were 
enchantments that basically give in a certain condition you got quest counters mm-hmm. which is just a cool type of counter and then once you had a certain amount of those things you get you know x things happen or or you get s- some certain sort of buff or whatever so um it'd be cool to bring those back since this seems like the first time in a while that there's not going to be any sort of eldrazi focus um which chev will talk about in a bit um so it'd be cool to see those come back um especially if some of those trap cards are <laughs> we're talking about Yu-Gi-Oh now trap cards um are uh good things that kind of um cut the legs out from some certain oppressive strategies mm-hmm. um namely like green stuff <laughs> last I, thing oh, talking about <laughs> wait just really Sorry, quickly yeah, on uh, on yeah. quests i think it'd be really interesting to see quest counters um interact with a lot of the counter stuff that came out in uh the most recent set accordion Ikori, yeah, because yeah, the, yeah. there was a lot of stuff about moving counters and sort of controlling them, and so mm-hmm. sort of seeing how those two Ooh. little yeah. niches would uh, interact with each other. I think it'd be could open up some cool stuff. That Maybe if they're cool. like creatures with quest counters, and then you like put them on the Ozolith, and then you put them on another creature yeah. <laughs> yeah. with Ooh. quest counters. <laughs> creatures with sick. quest counters would be very cool. Yeah, the only things I can think of are Heartless Act that could remove counters from target creature and then the Ozolith. But unfortunately, a lot of Ikoria was adding counters, not moving them so much. Because some of that some of that was also you, uh, cardinal <coughs> sin of forgetting that they were from Commander 20 as opposed to the Ikoria set. Because there You're were right. some, I like that land, that. right? There was a land that moves a counter from a creature you control onto a creature that, that you do or don't. Um, but that was from Commander 20, not necessarily standard legal. Also, I forgot oh, that the Ozolith was creatures only. I thought it was just permanents. So that's... <laughs> yeah, it was very specific to creature counters, which makes the quest a little bit... But if creatures have the quest, wouldn't they... Was there a cycle like that in Theros? Or was that also equipment? No, that that was uh, auras, wasn't it? Oh, like you sacrifice I'm the aura from Theros sure. and then like a certain thing happens? Oh, that was um. Sure. Uh, no, it was. Yeah, there was something. It was like one for each of the main colored gods. Yeah. I want to say it was like the trials, the trial of Heliod, the trial of Thassa, yeah. etc. But uh, yeah, there's there's something about you get some bonus after you sacrifice it. But anyway, getting yeah. off topic. I've derailed Last this thing, long enough. Yeah, we've we've been derailed. Last thing is. We're expecting landfall. Um, it's kind of the, you know, the um, thing, marquee yeah. uh, Zendikar sort of thing. So I'm expecting it's going to happen. Given how recent formats have been regarding ramp strategies and stuff, I'm hoping that a lot of the ramp and landfally things that are in Zendikar are focused on putting lands onto the battlefield from your hand. So something like there's mm. you know been a million and one creatures that tap to put a land onto your hand um and i think this could be really cool regarding landfall triggers which a lot of times landfall triggers are like certain buffs you know there's been a million creatures that are like oh landfall this creature gets plus one plus one or landfall this creature gets plus one plus oh in first strike or something Mm -hmm. like that um so i remember a couple cards from bfz were like random whatever but also like put a land from your hand onto the battlefield so things that could sort of be semi-ramp, but also sort of play into more just right. simple, like, combat-tricky stuff. Uh, that Stuff that almost might be good and limited, um, as opposed to things like Cultivate and stuff that we've been getting, where it's just like, we're just getting these lands out of your deck. Uh, you know, now, necessarily, if you play this theoretical type of card that I'm proposing... Um, either you have to have a bunch of lands in your hand because you've drawn a bunch of cards or you're just playing a bunch more lands than normal. Something that's going to make ramp not as blatantly, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. so ca- peaking at it. Cards like Arboreal Grazer, essentially. Exactly. I feel like that's a perf- yeah. perfectly reasonable card because, you know, if you hit on a bunch of Arboreal Grazers, it means you just had a bunch of lands and a bunch of Arboreal Grazers, mm. like, which is whatever, you know what I mean? Personally, yeah. I'm there's like the man there's the mana acceleration aspect to it, but also like a card disadvantage. So it's like it's a trade off, mm-hmm. you know. Right. I think that could be good, but I am still terrified of any interaction that we have between Landfall and uh, Azusa and Dryad of Elysia 
Elysian, whatever, the two cards that allow you to put extra lands onto the battlefield each turn. Because um, then, you know, mm -hmm. if we end up in the case where the tutors are lands to your hand, not necessarily the battlefield, we're still uh, not doing too well in terms of, you know, the overpowered of green. So I'm, I guess what I'm saying is I back up your point, Julian, that I really hope they're just from land to hand and we or land hand to battlefield and uh, <laughs> we focus on that primarily because anything else i think is going to get out of hand really quickly it's going to get out of it's land get out of land <laughs> there's too many lands there's too many hands this hand is your hand this hand is my hand um yep. yeah it i'm trying to be optimistic we, <laughs> it remains to be seen um but i know i know there's going to be this is this is the lands matter planes mm -hmm. so I just, I want something interesting and something safe yeah. to happen. So, Julian, of course, bouncing off of that, um, there is a mechanic that we could bring back that would help stop a lot of this uh, green playing too many lands all the time. I can't even don't imagine that. Really. Chad, why don't you... Would that be land destruction? And that would be <laughs> Annihilator. As we get back to Chad, there's the no way in Eld <laughs> As we get back to um, Eldrazi, now we know that they're not going to be on the plane. Um, most likely, as well, it's because two of them are dead and one is a moon on a different plane. So it's kind of hard to convince anyone, um, including a big Eldrazi fan, that will see the, them in their full power. But I certainly would like to see from um, uh, Zendikar some like remnants. Like we kind of saw, I think it was a one-off card from Core Twenty that was like egg destroy target colorless creature or something. Um, and it showed, like, um, Nixilis just, like, smashing an Ulamog um, spawn. And so seeing stuff yeah. like that where we're going to see, like, the cleanup of the Eldrazi or, like, some low-powered things or, you know, for my Kozilek deck, if we saw any cards that kind of triggered off Eldrazi stuff or maybe a colored commander that references Eldrazi, that's kind of what I'm about. Nothing nothing too big. Like, I'm, I'm not thinking we'll see a Return of the Titans, but I wouldn't mind seeing, like, allusions to the flying spaghetti monsters i think that's not out of out of turn to expect something like that like they were such a big part of our most recent visit to zendikar that i think it would be very reasonable to say you know they should still be there the hedrons should still be there it's like where would they have gone mm -hmm. right. so definitely i don't i wouldn't want it to take center stage because i do really like the idea of having like an adventure themed plane and having those traps and pitfalls and like indiana jones style thing but i would also like to see a few more of the eldrazi and hopefully less of the colored variety so i can put them in my colorless deck unless we get you know an eldrazi commander that would open up wonderful avenues of green or blue to me that would be ideal um the the other thing that i'm, I'm looking forward to and i think julian back to one of your previous points of like what the story is or like what's actually going on here I believe that Obnixilis has something to do with it. Because, um, like, in the last time to Zendikar, he's pledged, like, or vowed to destroy the Gatewatch or something like that. And he's kind of been shown in some of the previous cards, like, in core sets as kind of like a one-off here, a one-off there, kind of in the background. So I think he's still on Zendikar, and he still wants to mess some people up. Um, and I, I believe, and, you know, since my first commander deck was... Uh, Commander 2014 with Obnixilis at the helm. I would certainly like to see him back in action and absolutely obliterating everything as probably my favorite um, black-aligned planeswalker. He was in uh, War of the Spark, right? Yes. Do, do we know what happened to him after that? Uh, he, he, I believe um, my my memory is going to be more the novelization, and I thought it was like he was on Amonkhet with Tezzeret, and hopefully, you know, someone can correct me if I'm wrong. He was on Amonkhet with Tezzeret and the others, like, getting the Eternal Army over there. And then, once they got over there, he just, like, peaced out. Um, but I don't hmm. think he was on the good guy's side. So, I think he was working for oh, Nick, yeah. um, uh, Nico Bolas. But I think he just kind of peaced out. I don't think anything really bad happened to him. He actually got okay. debated, just like everyone else, to Ravnica. And then yeah, tracked with the Immortal yeah. Sun. Um I just googled this. I don't have this encyclopedic knowledge. Uh, and he fought against Bolas. Oh, did he? Oh, probably because he felt oh, trapped. Wow. Yeah, because he was annoyed. Yeah, yeah he was just mad. He did not like the Gatewatch. So, still, yeah, um, he was essentially unaffiliated. He just wanted to leave. Okay. Oh, so he did. Yeah, he did end up going to Amonkhet, according to Gamepedia. <laughs> but he was on the the good guy's side, um, and he helped destroy everything. 
To Ravnica. Yeah. Uh, well, so he got to Ravnica, but then they took the um, planar bridge that Nicobola stole to Amonkhet because oh. they had opened that portal to get the Eternal Army from Amonkhet to Ravnica. Ah. So by this point, Nicholas gotcha, had absorbed gotcha. the souls of thousands of Eternals, greatly increasing his power and causing his body to double in size. Um, and Nixilus incinerated a bunch of Eternals, and then Hazaret came by <laughs> and said that thanks. that of Gideon riding on his head? Yep. And then, um, oh no, that's, that's not... <laughs> oh, that was... No, I don't think he was that on... That was not on Nixilus. Yeah, that wasn't That Nixilus was Rakdos. That yeah. was Rakdos. Yep. Either way, that was... Uh, Nixilus <laughs> was... I would argue is a cooler demon than I'm Nixilus. Like, I'm, I'm a big Rakdos fan. Rakdos does Same do some cool stuff. Once again, uh, I derailed the conversation, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, he he no he left once everyone was like, "Oh no, we have to finish Nico Bolas now." And he was like, "No, nah, I got my power. I'm out." Just a salty boy. <laughs> he's just in, well, he's had like he he didn't have a spark, then he got his spark, then his spark was like taken away and a hedron was like put in his forehead or something. Um, he's he's had a rough go at it. Yeah, he's 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 kind of gotten the short of the stick. <laughs> But yeah, I think and I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for that meddling, meddling gatewatch. <laughs> I think that's yeah, I think that's it for me. I want to see Eldrazi and I want to see Obnixilis. I want to see the things that you know destroy Zendikar every chance they get. <laughs> <laughs> of course, <clears throat> terrible. Yeah, so um, I guess I'll go next. Um, I guess the first thing I'll do is address the elephant in the room, or rather, the elemental in the room. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Omnath. New Omnath. There's gonna be another one, apparently. Yep. <laughs> it's been Nom-nath. confirmed. Um, and he's going to be white? Yep. Yeah, he's gonna have white In addition white to his to previous him. colors? So he's gonna yeah, be four colors? So, yep. Yeah. They're, if you can't um, tell, Eric, they're adding a color every time it shows up. Oh, I can tell. However, <laughs> given that for the four-color commander set, they were like, this was legitimately so hard, we could only make four of them. Or we could only make five of them, and then for the rest we had to go to partners. We can't like functionally design more creatures. So I'm, mm. I'm interested. Well, it'll to be see. interesting. We'll see. We'll see what Omnath got going yeah. on. Yeah. So like, um, in my personal opinion, every new iteration of Omnath up to this point has been better than the mm. last. Um, and I kind of hope it continues on that trend. You know, um, I'm not a, I'm not big into four colors, especially when the missing color is not white or blue. Mm. Um, and, but you never know, um, they could make him cost, like, a green, and then maybe he has activated abilities for the other three, or, uh, you know, as far as I know. But, uh, yeah, hopefully it continues on the upward trend, and we haven't seen the apex of Omnath design <laughs> just yet. Um, so, uh, one thing I know my man Omnath loves is lands, and contrary to, uh, the beliefs of some... Uh, I, I'm actually a big fan of lands myself. Uh, I think conceptually they're they're really cool, and I think they're uh, what sets Magic apart from a lot of other card games like I don't know. Hearthstone. Oh, for sure, yeah. It's, yep. Um, the ability to like manipulate lands, destroy lands, to turn lands into other things, to uh, accelerate your land base, um, having different colors in lands, and like the ups and downs that come with that. Um, so obviously, I'm looking more. I'm looking for more uh, land-based mechanics. Um, and another, another, uh, I guess, general, I'd say, besides Omnath that I'm sort of hoping to see on this new plane is uh, Noyandar. Uh, he is one of the four uh, commander decks I have constructed in paper right now, and um, while I wasn't necessarily the most happy with how he turned out uh, in his current iteration, um, it'd be it's always cool to see uh, another form... Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing I'm worried about is that he's might if he does come back he might be mono blue or perhaps blue green with the way <laughs> that uh, Merfolk have been recently, mm-hmm. and but yeah uh, he's someone I'd really love to see. I think I think um, Merfolk like depending on the plane they are are different colors and so I think for Zendikar Merfolk are blue white. Like I I, I think it's okay. it's a very specific thing. It's um uh what is it Theros that they're blue green. Uh, there's also another plane where uh, Ixalan, 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, there's one plane where Merfolk are right. traditionally blue black. Uh, Shadow, uh, Shadowmore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shadowmore. Um, yeah. But yeah, or I think they're one of the tribes that really changes between planes. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Unlike you know, well, goblins. 
<laughs> yep. Let's go to a plane with blue-aligned goblins. It's all the wizards. I would oh, love God. that would be hilarious. That would be sick. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Um, New Noyandar would be awesome. Uh, the uh, last Zendikar set we got showed us the uh, introduction of a certain cycle of lands many call the battle lands mm. or as I and some others like to call them the bad dual lands <laughs> which were uh, two typed lands that uh, uh, essentially just need they'll, they'll come in untapped if there's two other basics on the uh, on, under your control already um, and I'm kind of hoping to see them finish that cycle of lands which in this case I believe would be the enemy colors um that they'd be printing if they were to that would it, be really uh, nice considering last... three of yep. my five commander decks are enemy colored two color so i yep. <laughs> any any lands i can get for those guys they're desperate yep enemy color lands just you know they they don't see as much love and support as nope. uh the allied colored lands for sure and um i think the these are pretty good like sort of compensation uh, land. Like, usually, like, late game, you can get these out untapped, mm -hmm. regardless of what you're playing, and you can get them on a budget. Definitely. Uh, which I really like. Um, also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe these Shocklands are rotating yep, out. all so Shocklands are rotating. Gonna have... Yeah, so there's gonna have to be something big to replace those, because um, otherwise we'll just be stuck with the temples, uh, I suppose. Have you so, considered more Shocks? The what I've... if they just printed more Oh, that's shocks. true. The Triumphs. <laughs> yep, that it, you know on on Zendikar anything's possible, man. I think the shocks um, are sort of reserved for Ravnica, um, but well, I yeah, maybe. Yep. they they go back and forth. Their naming scheme is unique or not unique for the purpose that they could be on other planes. But I could also definitely see wizards being like, all right, you know, we had shocks for quite some time. Let's uh, take a quick breather before we bring them back. Right. Yeah, I could see. I don't know. I could see it going. I wouldn't want to see shocks um, immediately but... come back after rotating because it just seems like I'd rather find new and interesting lands for them to explore, um, or at least reprint older lands that haven't gotten the love recently. Yeah, there was. Yeah, I think I'm in. I think I'm in the same. There was a tinge of there. sarcasm in me suggesting they immediately bring shocks back. I don't <laughs> think that would be good. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Um. More on the topic of lands, uh, something I'm honestly uh, anticipating Wizards to do, uh, but not necessarily really looking forward yeah, they to, are. is, uh, I imagine... Yeah, they're, they're doing full arts. There are? Okay, the, that's been yeah, confirmed Yeah, it was already, confirmed yeah. in the, the boosters, so, it's going to be a special slot that is just full art lands. Okay. Um, well, I, I'm not going to say that's unfortunate, because, you know... More art's always good, um, and I know I've talked about you guys with this in the past, but I feel like Wizards has kind of been overkilling it recently with the uh, full art lands. They're really just not as special as they used mm -hmm. to be. Um, mm -hmm. This I feel like this all kind of started in a Monquette, which was the the first set to have full arts after um, after the second uh, battle for Zendikar. Well, okay, sorry, excluding unglued um, like on the sets. Yeah. 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 Yeah, um, but still, it was a very it was a very infrequent thing, and then all of a sudden, like after a month, I feel like it just became like we got we got full art and everything. Oh yeah, no, it's it's, it's <laughs> so, totally um, ridiculous. Like I remember how excited we were to see the full arts when they were represented from BFZ, and there was definitely some excitement when they were a little bit harder to get for Amonkhet. But now it's like full arts come out, and you're just like, oh, that's cool. Like moving on. Yeah, it's like like it's even like, Theros. It's almost like you and you're like it's an interesting concept, but I I don't know why we need them yeah yeah exactly so um the last thing i'd like to talk about is I'd, i'm actually gonna uh, go out on a limb and disagree with <laughs> chev on um s wanting to see more eldrazi stuff and i'm not just saying that because the last game of commander i played was a loss to chev's eldrazi deck <laughs> um i'm honestly um and the Eldrazi has pretty much been what Zendikar has all been all about uh, up until this point, and I'm kind of just ready to move on from it. Um, I wouldn't want to. That said, I I wouldn't want to pretend like it never happened and see nothing like whatsoever to do with Eldrazi. But um, I could, I, I think, I could stand for no Eldrazi creatures mm. in the next mm -hmm. set. Um, 
but uh, that's just my personal opinion. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind seeing some like relics, or I, I'm not sure if we brought this up, but like a shrine of the Forsaken Gods yeah. Ooh, type thing. I would love to see one of those. Kind of alludes to them being there. Keep it to the flavor yeah. text. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know it. And yeah, I think that's just about it for me. Um, I'll get. I'll pass it off to uh, our our uh, newest person joining us on the yeah. podcast, Hi. Eric. I'm Eric. I write the CEDH articles, <laughs> specifically the top shelf. Um, I don't have a ton of experience in standard currently. Most of my work is involved in sort of more eternal formats. And I'm actually going to start out with referencing modern. The first modern deck I ever built was Allies because I thought it was super cool. And <laughs> I would be really interested to actually see what's going on with the Allies at this point. Um, That's true. Now that there are no Eldrazi to fight, and now that there are no gigantic battles against these mind-bending monstrosities, what are the alliances up to? Is allies still going to be a tribe? Is it still going to be something that's relevant? Um, I don't think we've learned anything about that in as of right now, um, but I think it'd be cool to see sort of what ha- what's happening with allies. Uh, in fact, I, I sort of was just doing some research on this a little bit earlier, the introduction of multicolored cards really only began with allies and with uh, the Devoid Eldrazi in Zendikar, uh, even back to sort of when we were first introduced to the plane. It was so. Now that the alliances are gone, will we not get allied colors, or will the alliances still be there? And will we have more allied colors, or maybe even uh, tricolors? So I'm really interested to see what's going on with that and. I sort of hinted at what I want to talk about next, which is, will there be multicolored cards uh, in the first three sets of uh, on the plane of Zendikar? There were no multicolored cards. Then when we came back for uh, Battle for Zendikar, that was when they started showing multicolored. So I think it's going to be cool to see if there still are multicolored cards as a part of this set. I think it'd be very strange to see a modern set released where or a standard set were released where everything was one mm-hmm. color. But, um... Well, I think it would look a lot like the, um... Was it Core or one of them where it was like there was the ten multicolor signposts and rare creatures that had multicolors, but then other than that it was just pretty much all uh, monocolored. So you're right. I think they would have, like, a couple cards um, that were multicolored just to make it kind of, uh, like... Split, yeah, it was, it was Core 21. They had, like, ten oh. signpost uncommons, and then, like, rares are generally creatures, so those span. But anything kind of outside of that in the commons and uncommons was uh, monocolored. Yeah, I, I think it'd be cool to see a set where they, they either go back and double down and say, no, you know what, every other set we do sort of where the colors cross in this, this interesting intersection, we're going to just go hard on each section of the color pie and really look in on that spec, uh, section. Um, mm-hmm. Or see them go the other way. I guess... I guess we know at this point, at least, that we're getting a multicolored Omnath. So, yeah. you know. And that's, that's going <clears> to... <throat> but who knows what else yeah, is in store. That's going to actually lead into my final thing that I want to say is show me the commander gas. <laughs> I just <laughs> want more gas. Um, I think that there's... A lot of cool commanders and legendary creatures that we've seen on Zendikar, um, including some very powerful commanders that are very good in competitive EDH. But even in regular EDH and in uh, Brawl, which I'm sure Chev is excited about, I want to see cool commanders. I want to see commanders that change how you build decks. That's always what I'm on the lookout for, so I'm just as excited as Oak is for a four-color Omnath because currently four-colored options are limited to the blight that is Thrasios and Timna, and then a couple other really powerful creatures. But, uh, yeah, I'm just really excited to see what kind of commanders they put out and what new characters we get to meet in the form of legendary creatures. Are there any uh, uh, faces from Magic's history you're maybe looking to see uh, printed on a legendary card? Or in, in the new set, like uh, Noyan, I guess, for example, or maybe like Drana. Yeah. I think I would actually be interested to see uh, Zatahedron Grinder is a really cool legendary creature. Mm-hmm. And I would want to see her again 
sort of after the war. I don't know if she technically survived the war in the lore. Give her more colors. What? <laughs> give her yeah. more colors. I love Zada, <laughs> and give her more colors. If you make her like a red yeah, black. If you show me like a red like black a or a red white Zada, I'm here. A Mardu Zada? Oh. Can can we get it? They like I said, they really have been been tight with their colors on Zendikar. So now that they're busting out four color Omnath, if we're starting to see like wedges and uh, oh shards, thank you, Air Brain, shards. a little slow. Yeah. If we're starting to see wedges and shards, I want to see a Bant commander that deals with counters. All three colors in Bant individually love counters and do a bunch of things with them. We've never had a Bant counters matter commander. And uh, I want to see an Abzan Enchantress commander, because that also doesn't exist, and all of those colors also love enchantments. That would be sweet. So I want to see my man Bruce oh. Tarl from... Uh, <laughs> Bruce. Got Bruce in here. Toss some green in there. Uh, Boom. New Naya commander. Let's get it. Oh, yeah. That's that the last thing that you need, Eric. You're an addict. I don't have a problem, <laughs> because I refuse to recognize it as such. Okay, so... Real quick, let's let's uh, two things I want to say. One, allies, please, because I really want to play collected company and historic uh, with allies. I think that would be super. Well, you sweet. and I can build that deck together. And also, when it happens, we're doing it. I'm already I'm already starting to look at collected company lists, so let's let's discuss, but not right now. Um, the other thing is, Chev and I were talking about this earlier. There are two more commander decks that are coming out with the release of Zendikar. Mm-hmm. And Eric, oh. you just mentioned a few of the things that you might want to see. I don't think I think you're right. I think they are going to be pretty stringent with their color use in the actual set. But for the commander product, I think all bets are off. Do you think that could be where Omnath is so, coming from, or do you think he will be in the standard legal set? Ooh, that would be very interesting. I, th- yeah. but I would think he has to go through standard. Like I think it's too well known a character, and everyone's too excited for Omnath to have uh, it short circuit standard completely. Well, two things, Joe. Two things. One, I don't know if there's mana support for a four-color Omnath mm-hmm. directly. Especially with the shocks coming Yeah. Yeah. Um, the elemental support that was present in M20 is not going to be there anymore. So I don't know if there's going to be an elementals deck. Mm. And Commander is such a big thing. I actually would not be surprised if, if he was... If that's where they put it. Yeah. Yeah, or if he was like the buy a box promo or something. Oh, yeah. Ooh. No, totally. Like... There was a Tezzeret that was like a buy a box that had completely nothing connected to the set at all, right? There was it was uh, um, I played against a brawl deck with him. He gave artifacts affinity. Um, yes, that was also. I think that was the M twenty one. That might have been because um, I think Tezzeret was the blue planeswalker in M20? no, he was War of the Spark. Hmm. Oh, that's that's when he came out, and he was like um, six mana creatures and planeswalker spells you cast have affinity for artifacts. That's an, oh, yeah. deals X damage to each opponent, where X is the number of artifacts. Return target artifacts, exile top ten, put all artifacts. So yeah, like completely no connection to the set whatsoever, besides the fact that we know Tezzeret was part of the War of the Spark. But um, yeah, it could be totally something like an unrelated buy box promo because everyone loves Omnath. I mean, I'm all for slowly advancing Omnath into full five-color range. I know that once they finally hit five colors, I will probably brew, and then Oak will probably actually beat me to making it a paper, a five-color Omnath that has all four others in it. <laughs> Have we but, considered? Um, yeah, <laughs> how they actually go about releasing it, I don't know. But anyway, once again, train derailed. Eric, you mentioned a few different things. Is there anything else that you guys want to see that might come out of the Commander set? Um because there's only two decks, not a full five. But they are releasing right with Zendikar, so it's like they're kind of on our doorstep. Mm-hmm. And we haven't even thought about them. Well, yeah. Oh, jeez. The only other thing about. I'll add is I think it'd be really interesting to see, um, sort of in the style of like the old like versus packages and uh, in the style of like the yeah, Commander versus deck decks. that you created, I think it'd be super cool to see like mono black Obnixilis versus four color omnath and you get contrasting colors you get contrasting oh. ideas i think it'd be that would be product. that would be pretty sweet that would be a Wait. way to cover all the colors yep that's like i know mm. 
I can like see that happening. I'm gonna actually be like really pissed off. If By the way, wizards, I'm available. One because for fire. you'll have <laughs> like one because you have called it, but also I'm just like, oh boy, if that's really what they do. Ew. That mono black deck um, has to have some heaters then. Oh yeah. If you're if nope. you're putting all four colors in the other deck. Well, remember they Yo. would be built to the same power level, so like it would only need as many heaters as they give the other four colors. And the other the four color deck would be limited True. by the fact that they're gonna be like, hey, here's a bunch of shitty tablets that give you a life yeah. when you play. Them. <laughs> like I don't want any of this. Which they do with every <laughs> commander product, where the commander has more than two Although, I, in their defense, the four, last time we saw four color in a commander deck, the land bases were pretty solid. They did do their best for that like, one, and I appreciated that a lot. True. Yeah. And, but, but since then, it's been... Right, since then, it's been less ideal. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just... I don't know... I, I'm I'm concerned about what's going to happen because I think that they're going to want to and need to co color up, cover all five colors. But then I think the way that they split it up is either going to be weirdly unequal, like what you proposed, Eric, or one of that, like, if it's like Simic versus Mardu, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. It's kind of, kind of clear cut. Um, so, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, I think this is a good chance for them to reprint a lot of things that they don't normally, though. Like, things like, I mean, Soul Ring and Command Tower always get reprinted, but, like, maybe a Chromatic Lantern, maybe yeah. a Lightning Greaves, because they always reprint Swiftfoot Boots. Um, things like that. I feel like that would be a, that would be a good, a good shot, especially since these are just, like, two decks. Um, and you can just give both of them those sort of things, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think they would only be limited by the fact that Commander Legends, um, or, or the the Commander Draftable set that was supposed to come out in like the end of October, um, might have a lot of those cards in it. Uh, and so they might mm, limit the number of reprints. Yeah, but I mean, we can see so far that it hasn't been a problem so as we've things. seen things be reprinted across Mystery Booster, um, Jumpstart, and then. Uh, double masters currently. This might be a shift in the policy they take towards reprints. Yeah. Hmm. Well, anyway. Um, is there anything else you guys want to discuss regarding upcoming Zendikar, upcoming Commander, or anything else? I think that's about about it from the the things yeah. that we've we've been thinking. Yeah, I'm all set. Also, nice to meet all of you. All right. <laughs> oh. Nice to meet you too, yeah. Eric. I think good, to, good to talk to all of you for the first time. I'm speaking to our many, many listeners, <laughs> by the way. So, take it easy. Ah, I see. Alright, then maybe I won't cut it out. <laughs> oh, this podcast is going to come out. It's going to be like 45 minutes shorter than the actual runtime. <laughs> Alright, well, if that's everything, uh, I think we'll wrap it up and we'll be back next week. Uh, to do the thing again so this has been Jules we have Chev we have Eric we have Oak we're uh, super happy that you guys listen and this is us signing yeah. out peace peace